work, but I will need a clicker and a screen. <laughs> Good to see you all here today. Our theme for this year is Send Me. Before we present that message next week, we have a little preparation that we need to do. It's a good, it's a good sermon to have preached on the first Lord's Day of the year. Thank you. Talk about the year of the Lord's favor. As I mentioned each week, the outlines are in the bulletin if you would like to follow along. If there are questions that you have or you say, I don't really remember something from the sermon, you'll have the outline in which you can look up whatever you need to look up. To be as the Bereans, to search and see if what is being taught is true. My own personal opinion Take it for what it's worth. I believe we have one of the best bulletins anywhere. Chock full of information, but also spiritual guidance. You think, well, I take it home. I don't, I don't know why I would take it home. Take it home. If you're going shopping, leave it in a shopping cart. Leave it on a bus bench. Leave it somewhere where someone can read it. There's all kinds of information that people can learn about, not only the congregation here in Traverse City, but about spiritual matters. So I encourage you to pick up a bulletin and take it with you and read it. When you're done with it, pass it on for someone else. Our lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus proclaims, we'll break this up into three easy pieces. And I mentioned constantly, how do we eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So we divide this, this message into three parts. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, as we've taken it here from Luke chapter 4. You can only imagine as Jesus enters the synagogue and he steps up to the front, and, and many believe that our buildings today are very much the same as a synagogue was in the first century. Jesus came up and took from a scroll. And I always like to remind people of the value of God's word, not only spiritually, but also the monetary value. Imagine how many people had a copy of a scroll, and this was just the scroll of Elijah. Worth perhaps as much as a year's wages. Very few people could afford it. So they would come to hear the word of the Lord read. Jesus unrolls that scroll, and remember, they read from, they read from left to right as you're looking at it. He unrolls it to this passage in the book of Isaiah. All eyes 
are on him. As he reads this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now we read that in our gospel here in Luke, but he's reading from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 2. All eyes are upon him. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue are fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I can only imagine that that same hush fell over the crowd as you hear right now. Today, this very day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. To read the Old Testament, I want to say this quite lightly, seems a labor to many people. And we can imagine that each day, because Paul says every day, in the synagogues, every Sabbath, pardon me, the law is read in your synagogues. They would take a portion of Scripture and read it to them. And Jesus, being the Son of God, knew that His mission to come to this earth was to fulfill all of those prophecies, and I'll go from your left to you're right. Starting from the beginning and coming through the scriptures to that given in the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. Well, let's begin in one, verse 1 and go down through verse 3 to give it a, a substance. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and the might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. The spirit of wisdom Will rest on him, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge. All of these things are resting upon Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3 and verses 16 through 17, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. It had come from heaven and settled upon him. As he goes about, the people are absolutely astonished. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, 
as we find when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And they wondered when he had finished teaching the parable of the sower in those first parables that we are recorded in Matthew chapter 13. Where did he get these mighty works? In John seven forty six, as the troops were sent to pick him up and put him in jail. And they asked why you didn't bring him back. No one ever spoke like this man. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him not only to perform miracles, but to make known the Word of God to clarify it. And imagine that all of those centuries in the synagogues, that that passage was read from the book of Isaiah. And no one really knew what it meant. But Jesus said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. No one ever spoke like this man. He was sent. And we are told within these passages the things that he was to proclaim. Good news to the poor. He wasn't strictly speaking about those who lacked money, those who lacked the ability to have the subsistence to live on, but the poor. Good news to the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Those who realize the emptiness of their lives. Or we could all say, depending on where we fall on that economic scale, well, I'm poor compared to that person. Well, that person would be poor compared to me. But he talks about those in that Sermon on the Mount, those who feel that emptiness in their lives, who realize that this world is not all in life, that there is something missing in my life. As John the Baptist's disciples came and they were told to ask him, are you the one that we are seeking? And Jesus didn't simply give them a yes or a no. But he said in Luke chapter 7 and verse 22, tell them what you see. The poor have the good news preached to them. And many, of course, were on that lower end of the economic scale simply because of how they lived under the oppression of the Roman government. But those who were searching and seeking would have understood that it was more than talking about money and economics. And those that were searching and seeking would understand. He came to give good news to the poor, but he came to give liberty to the captives. And of course, those in the first century may have misunderstood it to mean he's going to free us from the oppressive rule of the Roman government. But that wasn't why he came. He came at just the right time. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, it should read 42 verse 
7. We'll begin in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 42. Behold, my servant. And it's a prophecy that's talking. Isaiah is often called the messianic. uh, My chosen in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not go faint or be discouraged till he has established justice on the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisons, those who sit in darkness. What type of prisoner did Jesus come to set free? And those were searching, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, he delivered us from the domain of darkness. For those who lived in sin, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, as he talks about those who are slaves to sin, beginning in verse 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient to the heart, from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed, and have been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. He didn't come to set them free from the Roman government. He came to set them free from sin. Free from sin. Liberty to the captives. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. They said, we are offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you've become free? Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. But Jesus came to proclaim liberty to those people who were slaves to sin. And sight to the blind. I can only imagine what it was like for those who, in two different classes, the first were people who had been born blind, who had never known what it was like to see in this world. He healed them so that they could see. To see and then lost that ability. And we're given it once again. But there was a greater sight that Jesus came to give sight to the blind. In Isaiah chapter 29, beginning verse 18. In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. Over and over in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is looking to that time when the one who had been prophesied would come and give these which Jesus proclaimed on that day in that synagogue and fulfilled in their sight. Jesus deals with people in John chapter 9 and beginning of verse 39. For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. 
and those who may see become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. For it was their refusal to see and understand what Jesus was preaching to them. That fulfillment from of long ago of him coming to this world and refusing to see and continuing on in their blindness. As Paul, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 26, as he's speaking to Agrippa and explains to Agrippa, Agrippa who would have known the Old Testament scriptures, Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, beginning in verse 17, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Imagine hearing this. Not only are we going to be free, but we are going to be able to see and liberty to those who are oppressed. And that, that term for oppressed is such an interesting, such an interesting term. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 20, we read this passage uh, earlier. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. You see, Jesus didn't come, strictly speaking, to condemn people, but to set people free. Those people whom he saw who were oppressed, not simply by the Roman government, but oppressed by their own leadership, the leaders of their day, and oppressed by life itself. And when he says, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick, he did not come to crush people, people that were already oppressed. He did not come to further crush them, but to bring liberty to them. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will will give you rest. Those were the people that he came to proclaim liberty to. Those who were oppressed in this world. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 34, we read that he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Those were the ones who were oppressed in this world. And he had compassion on them. And fast forwarding to today, he has compassion on us still today. Liberty to the oppressed. And as he proclaims here, as we have proclaimed this, the year of the Lord's favor. Leviticus chapter 28, pardon me, chapter 25, beginning in verse 8. In a wonderful type found in the Old Testament, for they were to count every 50 years, in the 49th year, and then the 50th year was to be that year of Jubilee. And as we begin, it says, you shall count seven weeks of years, 
Seven times seven years, which brings 49 years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout your land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. That fiftieth year you shall, shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither snow, sow nor reap what grows vine. That year of jubilee, that thing of which people looked forward to. And there were within that year of jubilee was something built in that was a shadow of what was to come. It was a type in the Old Testament. We talk about types and anti-type. A type is a shadow, something that represented something in the Old Testament. The Passover lamb in Exodus, Paul tells us that Christ is our Passover lamb. The shadow in the Old Testament becomes the reality in the New Testament. And there are many that are contained. And the year of Jubilee was that shadow or type. Salvation in Christ is the reality or the anti-type in the New Testament. Imagine all of those centuries from the time that it was given in the law until Christ came, they did not understand what it meant. And Jesus said, today... It is fulfilled in your presence. The year of Jubilee in Leviticus chapter 25 proclaim liberty throughout the land. The reality in the New Testament is the gospel is proclaimed. Property is returned our inheritance. We talked about that hope that we have of our inheritance. It is the reality of our property return. Release from debts in Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 40. Our sins are forgiven. Slaves are freed in Leviticus 25:55. The reality is we have entrance into the kingdom. Jesus said, "Today this scripture is fulfilled in your presence." When Isaiah had written this in his prophecy, he was teaching of the shadow and its fulfillment in Christ. Paul talks to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. And he talks about what people used to be. And that list that he presents would make us blush and shudder in shame of what we used to be. And remember, Corinth, like much of the ancient world, was steeped in idolatry. And some of you, well, we are taught in the scriptures, we are washed when we are baptized. You were sanctified through Christ's blood. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And I wonder, in my own mind, if I live as though I am free. Of all of those things that, that Paul speaks of here to the church in Corinth, and in other places in his epistles, 
when he talks about what we used to be slaves to. But we have been freed. We have been given a liberty. And as we begin this year, if we haven't already, to begun to grasp what it means to be free in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean to be free to, to commit debauchery and immorality in our lives, but to realize that we have been given freedom in Christ. We have been freed from becoming slaves to sin. And we don't want to go back into that slavery once again. But we were that. And now we are free. And imagine that, that thought to those who have never known Christ. And we ask that question, are you free? Have you understood what Christ preached there in Luke chapter 4 was the beginning of setting mankind free through him, through his sacrifice on the cross? I have a graphic here, and it is my final slide, as we consider some people put it in the in a form of steps, those steps of which we proceed to salvation. Here we have to hear the gospel. One must understand why Christ came. For it's not enough just to believe in this, this man who was on a cross, but to understand why he was on that cross. To understand that he died on that cross to pay the price of sin in my life, in your life, for all people's life. But it's not enough just to hear, to grasp what he did. We must actually believe that's what he did. And upon that belief and acceptance, to repent and say, sin, and that I must turn from that life that I was leading and turn to Christ. In repentance, I turn from that and turn to Christ and confess that he is the Christ. He is the one who was prophesied to come to pay my price. And upon those conditions, being baptized into Christ. To wash away my sins. For as Paul was told by Ananias, Paul, Saul, as he was called, why do you wait? Be baptized and wash away your sins. Exactly what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. But you were washed. If you have not taken those steps, if you are not free from those chains of sin, this is the day. This is the year of jubilee for you in your life. And for as many of us who have taken hold of that, that moment that we took hold became our year of jubilee. If you have a need this day, we ask that you make it known. If we can help in any way secure your salvation, let it be known as together we stand and sing. I know the